Welcome back, darlings. It's so nice of you to visit again. This episode is going to have a mix of paranormal and let's not meet stories to give you all of the heebie-jeebies. I'm going to try to make my episodes a bit longer, but let's be real, editing takes forever. And I'm going to try to upload every Monday so that maybe, just maybe, I can help you get through the living nightmare that is the first day of the week. So now, without further ado, let's get creepy. We moved from the US to the UK and our parents bought an old beat up house. It still had lead pipes for water, nightmare all its own. Anyway, work proceeded on the house whilst we lived there. We started seeing bright lights in the corners of the rooms at night, footsteps on floorboards, the house had carpet. I was about six at the time and started getting woken up in the middle of the night by a little girl who would dance on my chest of drawers for me. I was freaking terrified. My mom just fobbed it off as me dreaming. Workmen complained of strange things happening like tools being moved and the odd feeling like being watched. After about a year of this, my eldest sister's friend stayed overnight. She woke the whole house up screaming, saying a little girl had been in her room. She had apparently pulled her from the bed. The friend left the house and refused to ever come back. Mom decided she might need to do something about it and got some advice. He suggested my mom and the whole family treat the presents as part of the family. So when we got home, we shouted, hi, we're home. Did you have a good day? Over time, the house settled and we didn't get any more trouble. We also found out that a little girl did die in our house of asthma. My parents still live there and it's a beautiful homely place now. A couple of years ago, I flew home to visit family. I'd be there for about a week, then we'd head to the coast for the week, and then back home for another week. I totally needed this break. I'd just ended an on-again, off-again relationship, like seriously, one day on, the next day off. It took about seven months of putting up with it because you're supposed to fight for what's important to you, right? Anyhow, I finally just said it was done. No more chances. No more trying to work it out. Just done. So, with that chapter of my life being over, I was more than happy to be somewhere else, surrounded by family and putting myself back together. Got there, spent a couple of days sleeping a lot. My mother's a nurse and was becoming concerned that there was something physically wrong with me. I just needed a couple days in a safe place where I could let my brain work on digesting the new life that I would have when I got back home. So, before we left for the coast, I met up with a friend from grade school that I had kept in contact with over the years. I thought it would be just he and I, but it didn't really faze me that another person was there. We hung out for a while and I needed to head home because I had to take a backwoods rural route to get home or taking a different route that would add another 20 miles onto my track. Being backwoods, I needed to be able to keep an eye out for deer. So I said goodbye and told S.A. that if he was ever in my neck of the woods to look me up and we'd grab a drink and head and out. I told him to grab my number from my friend and out the door I went. About halfway home, I got this weird queasy feeling in the pit of my stomach so I slowed way down. And sure enough, 
There was a deer in the middle of the road. Because I had slowed down, I could see another car out in the road. I couldn't shake the queasy feeling, so I figured it would be better to cut off and go down the main road because there were more places to stop. I seriously didn't want to stop in some rural farmer's driveway. I've watched way too many movies to make that mistake. So, I get over to the main road and pull into a gas station and sit there for a couple of minutes trying not to get sick to my stomach. I ran in the store, grabbed some water and a ginger ale, and came back out to my vehicle, still unable to shake that queasy feeling. So, I started to head home from the gas station and knew I didn't want to go straight home. So I drove around, taking this road or that road, until that queasy feeling started to go away. Then, I went home, read for a bit, and then went to sleep. Next day, everything was fine. We headed to the coast. Fast forward two weeks, trip is over. I'm still feeling a little fragile over the breakup, but that's all. I figured I would begin the process of cleansing the environment of negative energies and then work through the baggage that came from the breakup. I knew there was a lot and it would take some time. So the next day, I'm going about my business and everything is cool as can be when picking through the junk left behind after a breakup. I'm really just doing mindless things to zone out and not have to think about the activity too much since my brain was working full time already. A little bit later in the day, my phone rings. I don't get a lot of calls, so I assumed there might be a family emergency and that I needed to answer it ASAP. The area code of the caller, who was not in my contacts, is the same as my cousin, so I answered without second thought. On the other end was SA, the acquaintance that I met at my friend's house. It's a little weird to have him calling me, but I'm not thinking that anything is terribly out of the ordinary. I asked him what was up, and he said he was at the airport. I still find it a little odd, but I said, oh, that's cool, where are you going? He said that he'd already landed, again. I'm distracted and really just want to get him off the phone so I can get back to my mental sidestep and zone out while my brain chugged away. So I said that I hoped he had a good time wherever he was, and he said that he needed me to pick him up. Screech! What? Did you just say that you needed me to pick you up? Yeah, he replied. I came to visit you. Pause there for a second. I know for a fact I didn't show any more interest in him than general courtesy. Even the tossed over the shoulder look me up comment was one of those polite things you say because you never actually plan on seeing them again. Unpause. Why did you come to visit me? I asked. He said he felt a deep connection and wanted to be with me. I started getting angry as well as freaked out at this stage. I told him I didn't feel a connection at all, and I couldn't believe that he would fly across the country to see someone he'd spent maybe two hours with. He said I'd invited him when I said to look me up. I said, uh... No, that's just a polite thing to say to some random person that has made a very small impression on me. He said that he needed to find a way back home then, since I misled him. Misled him? What the fuck? Look me up if you're ever in my neck of the woods had led him to think that that was a basis for some sort of encounter that was meaningful. He said that he needed a place to stay until he could get the money for a plane ticket back. I said there were more than enough hotels that he could stay at while he got himself sorted out. 
He said he didn't have any money after buying a random one-way plane ticket. So, at this stage, I'm flabbergasted, angry, and freaked out that someone would do a one-way ticket. I finally caved and said he could stay the night while he sorted shit out, but I expected him to be gone no later than the morning of the next day, after tomorrow. So, I bring him back to my place, throw pillows and a blanket on the couch, and turn to head to my bedroom. And he asks if he can sleep with me. I'm like, uh, no. Actually, no fucking way is that going to happen, so I point out that I have firearms and do not attempt to come in. Next day, I have to work, so I woke him up and told him to get up and find a way home immediately. I also told him that I had to work, but would check on, in on his progress, because the next morning, I was dropping him off at the departures regardless of whether he had one or not. I went to work, and he blew my phone up all day. He wanted me to come back to my place for lunch. I told him, no, I'm way too busy. I finally get home from work. And I'm chuckling at a text that I got about my dog. And that's when I noticed that he had rearranged everything. And by everything, I mean every room of my house had been rearranged. I flipped my lid. I asked him why he thought it was normal to do anything that he did. Instead of answering me, he asked me who I'd been talking to. I said that it wasn't really any of his business. But I had received a text from the guy watching my dog while I was on vacation. Color me shocked when he says he doesn't want me talking to that guy. No longer freaked, full force apocalyptic disaster is about to be unleashed and leave nothing but a smoking crater. The temperature drops about 10 degrees and I very calmly said to get his shit and I was calling a cab to take him to the airport because he's a fucking psycho. A side note. Full rage has been achieved when it feels like the temperature drops and I speak very calmly. If I'm complaining about something, it's a quick burp. If I go monotone calm and tilt my head to one side slightly, that's where I have hit arctic level anger. So he, unaware of the environmental change that has occurred and that the chances of survival are dropping by the second, decides to tell me that he used my computer and got my ex's phone number and they both agree that I was just heartless. We're fast approaching the epic skill disaster, and he finally seems to notice how deep into rage I had sunk. I told him it was unlikely that he had gotten into my computer because it's a full quote from part of the Art of War by Sun Tzu, and that he would have to have been the processing power of the Cauldron Collider computers, and it was obvious that that was not the case. I told him he had three minutes to get his stuff and get out, or I wouldn't be responsible for what would occur. So, still yelling insults at me, he gathers his stuff and leaves. I used to get calls and texts from him. I'd blocked one and six more would pop up, but eventually it stopped. To this day, I have no idea nor interest in knowing where he's at or if he made it back. So, crazy dude who would hop on a plane with a one-way ticket based from a random polite comment. Let's not meet again. I lived in an old haunted house in college. Things got so weird that everyone moved out except for me and one roommate. Here's a few of the things that happened. Number one, I woke up at 3 a.m. because my roommate's door kept opening and slamming shut. From bed, I yelled for him to stop, only to realize that I was the only one home. 
before that weekend. As soon as I yelled, the slamming stopped, but the hippie beads I had hanging outside my closed door began to sway perfectly, yet violently, against the doorframe for half an hour, while I debated if I should pop out my air conditioning unit and jump out the window. I laid in fetal position in bed until it stopped. Number two. I woke up at 3 a.m., alone again, hearing the Nintendo in the back porch playing loudly. I figured a drunk kid came in and started playing. I grabbed a bat and walked towards the back of the house as the music got louder and louder, and as soon as I opened the door, it was completely quiet. Mind you, it was loud enough to wake me up. Number three. I had friends over and I told them that the house was haunted. No one believed me, so I asked the ghost to do anything to prove it was there, and as soon as I asked, all the lights in the house began flickering for about a minute straight. This was in the middle of the day, and everyone witnessed it. Number four. Almost everyone who stayed at my house had sleep paralysis at least once. Number five. Every time something spooky happened, the house would smell like old lady flowery strong perfume. Number six, this house had a door built into the flooring that led to the basement. We always had a rug covering it up so no one knew what was there. Things would constantly go missing in the house and turn up in the basement. This house had a coal chute from when it was heated by coal back in the day. Missing stuff would always be placed on the chute for us to come and get. Number seven, roommate had some issues once in a while playing video games late at night he saw mist kind of hovering from the kitchen, then move into the bathroom. The bathroom had a trapdoor that led into the attic, and that's where we figured the old lady used to like to hang out. Number eight. Roommate was up late. He went to go lock the doors and turn off the lights. When he turned back on the room and walked to the door, someone breathed in his ear. <sighs> he thought it was me. I was sleeping. He turned around pissed himself, and ran into his room. He was too afraid to come out and turn the lights off or the TV. Number nine, loud thumps in the attic at all hours. For peace of mind, we told ourselves the squirrels must have gotten in there. Number 10, voices would wake us up in the middle of the night. I spent many mornings on the front porch waiting for the sun to come up before I went back in the house. Number 11, Coincidentally, I had a friend years later that rented the same landlord, same town, different house, where he and all of his roommates moved out because the house was also haunted. I didn't think it was too weird until he was telling me that when the weird stuff happened, it was accompanied by, you guessed it, old lady flowery stinky perfume. Also, a lot of people had sleep paralysis in that house as well. Edit. Lots of comments about sleep paralysis. I got them more than anyone in the house. Never had one again in my life after moving out. Edit 2. The basement just kind of trailed off. I actually never explored the whole thing because fuck that. The washer and dryer were by the stairs and then there was a gap until you reached the coal stuff and then behind that was just dark. Missing stuff like the TV remote, eyeglasses, Xbox controller, etc. Edit 3. Lots of comments about mold in the AC causing hallucinations. I guess that's possible. The only reason I doubt it is because the AC was in my bedroom. While the most vivid fucking sleep paralysis I had was actually during the day after a nap on the couch in the living room. 
Also, I've used that AC in other apartments and had no issues. In the ending of 2018, my sister, husband, three kids, and dogs moved into my house on top of my two dogs and wife while extensive repairs were made on their house after heavy rain caused their house to unsettle that ended up taking over a year. The 1980 built two previous owner house is the house me and my family grew up in, so my sister knew something else already living there before us. The only known deaths are of my grandma in 2006 and my father on 9-6-2020, both from cancer. But the lands are haunted and cursed by natives. Out of all experiences, these were the most terrifying. Three weeks after they moved in, we began getting uneasy feelings around the den slash fireplace room, and out of nowhere, all of the dogs would freak out, barking and running in circles, hair on end, teeth shown, defensive posture, all at one corner of the room. Keep in mind that I have a Doberman and Golden Lab. My sister has a Labradoodle and an English Mastiff, a big old girl, but then would seem to walk to the black siding glass door and exit because the dogs would just start whining and whimpering tail between their legs. Almost every time as well, my sister's two-year-old twins run into the room and both stare at it. Two months go by and they start to talk to something while they're eating during the day around nap time and then sometimes they play with it. Five months go by. It got worse. I begin seeing the entity in their room, then run away. A week passes. My sister's eldest son, who is five, starts to talk to someone another week passes. Now he's more vocal towards it, and we take extra notice. We ask him who he's talking to. His friend. While we're talking, he keeps looking past my right shoulder, where I keep feeling cold, but my focus is on him, and I ask him what he's looking at. My friend Fred. Apparently, the entity knew we were calling it Fred since 2002. I asked what he looked like, and he replied, Kind of scary, but not really. He looks like a basketball player. Tall, no hair, and a big black shirt. But I can't see his face. As one would expect, my eyes widened in horror, and I replied, all I replied with was, Oh. Cam replies, he says just to go with the flow. No one in my family has ever said that. Next day, I had a priest come to bless the house, which pissed Fred off. The day after that, a loud slap could be heard downstairs, followed by a loud two-year-old screaming, a welted handprint on her back. Then, almost every other day, like clockwork, 3 a.m. rolled around and you can hear footsteps. Then the kids would scream bloody murder, saying, go away, crying for their mom. Their labadoodle dog, Bear, would also whine and bark, scared. No more marks on the kids, though. Then, one night, I had off and really, really wanted to see what was happening. Why they were so afraid. What caused them to scream? What was walking? I stayed up until 3 a.m. I was downstairs and waiting. 3.37 came around, and I feel an immense and extreme anxiety, as well as just freezing cold. I'm nowhere near a vent, and the only fan we have is upstairs. Then, a sense of dread. The cold goes away, as if my eyes weren't mine. I just watched the thing go upstairs, stop at the hallway, look at me, then walk into their room. 
I heard the footsteps. I saw the entity, but I couldn't physically see it. It was like a mental image, and of course the kids bursted into tears. I go puke from pure fear, go into an anxiety attack, and pass out in the bathroom. I didn't have a nightmare, but my sister did have three scratches on her back, and the kids were saying the monster did it. After that, they said fuck it and moved in with her husband's brother. I'm still here, chock full of stories. Stay safe, and don't piss off random entities. Hi. First of all, I'm sorry if I make some mistakes. English isn't my native language. I really wanted to share a story that happened to me three years ago. Let's begin. I'm a French girl. I'm 25 years old, but was 22 when this happened. I was living with my boyfriend, ex now, in a little flat in Paris. I was in a toxic and violent relationship. Moreover, I was suffering from a de disease, so I couldn't go out with my friends. So I spent most of my free times on the internet. I didn't have many friends. I was really lonely. As I couldn't go out, most of them abandoned me when I feel sick. The few friends that I had were living really far away. One day, I had a big argument with my boyfriend. I was really sad and lonely, so I decided to go chat with random people on a website. I met a guy, and we had the same interests. We were both playing video games a lot. We talked for six months every day. He was knowing that I was in a relationship, even if it was a shitty one. Let's call him Alex. We decided to meet in real life. He was okay to meet at my flat. At first, we were both really shy, but thanks to alcohol, we talked and left together. I was so relieved that finally I was having a friend to talk with. We were seeing each other about once per week. I remember this as a happy time. We had so many common points, and he never forced me to go out. He was really helping me, and I was helping him. He was a depressed guy. He was thinking that he was running, ruining his own life. I wanted to help him as much as I could to give him self-esteem. I just wanted to spend good time with a good friend. For my 22nd birthday, my boyfriend decided to make a party, and he invited Alex, as he was my only friend who was living not too far from my flat. And he invited ten of his friends. I wasn't really happy with that. He knew that I didn't like it when there's too many people, and it tends to make me anxious and pressured. So I spent my all night to cook to serve his friends. I couldn't enjoy the party. Then, my boyfriend humiliated me in front of everyone. I went to the bathroom to cry. Alex joined me and tried his best to comfort me. I was in a pure mental breakdown, so I told him everything about my boyfriend's behavior. I insisted on the fact that I love him, but I will break up with him when it's the right time. It was too dangerous to break up at this moment. As I was crying, he tried to kiss me. I stopped him. I didn't want to add any problems in my life. It was already too difficult. I know that it's weird to say, but I was feeling betrayed. I was feeling that he was waiting for this moment to try something. He didn't react. He opened the door and gave me a gift. It was a really beautiful necklace, and I told him that I couldn't accept it because it was too expensive, but he went out without a word. After this, I decided to put some distance between us. I didn't want to make him suffer. It's cruel to keep him as a friend if he wants more. I explained that to him, that if he wanted more, it wouldn't be with me. I didn't want to cheat on my boyfriend, but if one day he wanted to talk to a friend, that he could contact me. I didn't hear about him after this. A few months later, 
I received texts from him. It was really long, like 20 texts. He was saying that he was really in love with me and that he wanted to save me and that I was his reason to live. I was shocked at first because the way he said it was really creepy. I explained to him one more time that I didn't need to be saved, that I was an adult, and even my boyfriend was mean, I didn't want to break up. I wasn't feeling ready for this, and I wasn't in love with him. We exchanged texts for more than an hour, but he didn't want to understand. Alex was insisting a lot. My phone bugged as I was receiving too many texts and phone calls. It was making me anxious, so I decided to turn off my phone and went to work. At this moment, I was working in a little restaurant. I was a waitress there, and I was taking commands by phone. The phone was ringing, and I picked it up. I heard breathing at first, and then I recognized the voice. It was Alex's voice. I was feeling like I was in a horror movie. My bones froze. My body was shaking. I hung up almost immediately, but the phone rang again, something like ten times, until my boss picked it up. It was 7 p.m. I was supposed to finish work at midnight. At 11 p.m., I saw him. He came to my workplace and begged me to talk. I was so afraid I couldn't talk. I ran into the kitchen and explained the situation to one of my coworkers. He took my place as a waiter and I took his as a cooker. Alex left 30 minutes later and I was too afraid to go home alone so my coworker dropped me off at my flat. My boyfriend was a night worker so I was alone. I locked my flat's door, blocked Alex's number, and I was ready to call the cops. I didn't want to talk about it to my boyfriend. I already knew that he wouldn't help me, or that he would just accuse me of being too provocative. Moreover, I didn't want him to fight with Alex. Alex, to me, was just lost. He didn't deserve to be beaten up by my boyfriend. The next day, I had more than a hundred blocked calls. I hadn't slept at all. I was exhausted. I was trying not to give him any attention. A month passed. He tried to come to my workplace many times, but my boss talked to him and called the cops. Then he never came back there. He was still harassing me, but I was ignoring him. I thought that he would understand and finally leave me alone. I was afraid, so I tried to lodge a complaint with the police, but they refused it as it was just a guy who's in love. One day, I woke up to go to work and my boyfriend was playing online video games. He received a message. That was Alex. In his text, he was saying stuff like he was in love with me, that we had that we had, had sex many times, that I was a cheater, and many, many stuff like that. I was so shocked. I didn't understand what was happening. My brain froze, and I couldn't react. But thanks to God, my boyfriend saw my blocked calls, and he was expecting that Alex was harassing me for a long time, even if I never told him. He decided to block him, too, and then he went to work. My boss called me and he told me that I would be working two hours later that night. I was alone at my flat. I don't know how to explain it, but I was feeling like something was happening. My heart was racing. I was feeling nauseous. And then I heard the doorbell. One time. Two times. Three times. Ten times. I couldn't stand it. And I couldn't walk. My body was frozen. I was feeling the tears on my face. But I couldn't react. I felt like all of this was a nightmare. I waited, the most silently as possible. As he was stalking me for a long time, he knew that I was supposed to be at work at this hour. I thought that he wanted to see my boyfriend to manipulate him, as he wanted me to be single, that was the best way. The doorbell again. I was supposed to go out to work. I took all of my courage, and I went out. It was him. He was crying. 
At this moment, I wasn't afraid anymore. I was so angry. I began to shout at him, and he was trying to explain that he was in love with me. He would die if I didn't give him a chance. He said that he talked to my boyfriend so like this, he would finally save me, and that even if I didn't want to be with him, my boyfriend would have to kill him so he didn't suffer anymore. Moreover, he admitted that he had hacked my Facebook and Instagram account, so he knew that I wasn't hating him. I talked about the situation to my best friend. I was saying to her that Alex was unstable, but not mean, that I was more sad than angry about his behavior and stuff like that. Stupid me. I decided to run out, but he was following me and grabbed my arms when I was trying to escape by the stairs. I hit him. I begged him to let me go. I cried like I had never cried in my whole life. I was terrorized, angry. I just wanted to escape and run as far as possible. He pushed me against the door and told me these words. If you refuse to have a conversation with me, I'll go to your boyfriend's workplace. I will talk to him, and then he will hate you as much as I love you, and maybe he will kill me, but that doesn't matter. I was trapped. I couldn't escape. I didn't want to call the cops, as they didn't help me the first time. I decided to accept to have a conversation with him outside after work. He calmed down, thanked me, and then went out. When I arrived at work, I was still shaking. I explained everything to my coworker and boss. My coworker decided to stay in his car after work in front of the restaurant, so if I needed help, he would be there. At the end of my work, Alex was here. We sat outside and talked. He was repeating what he had said to me millions of times already, again and again, and then I interrupted him calmly and said that nothing would ever happen between us, that I was afraid of him, and he was poisoning my life. Moreover, he was putting me in danger. He stopped. It looked like he finally realized what he was doing. He put something out of his bag. It was a really big package. He gave it to me. It was full of expensive items, and I told him that I didn't want to accept it. He told me that he bought this for me, so he couldn't keep it, as it would be a reminder of me. Then he kind of blackmailed me by saying if I accepted this, he would not contact me ever again. I accepted, I was tired, and I just wanted to go home and finally sleep. Then, he said goodbye and went out. Sadly, that's not the end of the story. Two weeks later, I was sleeping at one of my co-workers' place who had once again become my precious friend. At 5 a.m., I heard my phone ring. I was too tired to answer, but I heard it again, and again, and again. It was some unknown number. I opened it, and the first thing I saw was blood. There was a long text, but I didn't have time to read as I received other pictures. There was blood everywhere on the pictures. I woke my friend up and showed her the pictures, and I was shaking so much that I couldn't understand what was happening. I received 31 pictures of mutilated arms, torsos, and legs. On the last of them, I saw Alex's face. It was Alex again. I called Alex's mother and explained to her what was happening. I recognized his bedroom in the pictures. Then my friend took my phone from me. She was hugging me, and I was feeling guilty, thinking that it was my fault. Almost one hour later, I didn't receive any texts or calls, which was making me even more anxious. I thought that he was dead. Suddenly, my phone rang again, and I received a video of him in a hospital bed. He was trying to talk, but almost everything was understand ununderstandable except for a few words like love and promises alex tried to commit suicide he took many drugs and cut himself he was diagnosed as bipolar with personality disorders he stayed a few months at a psychiatric clinic the last thing i heard about him was that he was on treatment and he's feeling better 
I received a last text last year. It was just, sorry. Since this day, I moved out. I have new work, a new house, in a different city with a different boyfriend. Even if I'm still slightly traumatized by it, I do think Alex was not a bad guy. In France, psychiatric troubles are taken too lightly. Alex needed help, and I really hope from the bottom of my heart that he's feeling better now. Well, my lovely darklings, this is where this weekend's nightmare ends. I can't wait to join you all for story time again next week. Remember, if there's a story that you would like for me to narrate, or if you just want to stop by and say hi, we have a podcast page on Facebook where I can be reached through either a direct post or just something left on the page to say hi to your fellow visitors and listeners. Stay spooky, my friends. Until next week. I would like to thank this time to thank you all for listening to this episode. This podcast is something that I have wanted to do for a very long time. If you would like to leave me a note, or if you have a story you would like for me to narrate, I can be reached at letsgetcreepypodcast at yahoo.com, facebook.com slash creepy. that's d-a-h-l-i-a-c-r-e-e-p-y, or at anchor.fm slash letsgetcreepypodcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take the time to rate and review it on your preferred podcast listening apps, as this will help other listeners find me. Once again, thank you all so much. Stay creepy, darklings.